Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to the 106th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week, we have Nicholas Batters, radio broadcaster for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, AA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, I went on a little hiatus there. Um, With the first week of the season, everybody was super busy, and then uh, I went on vacation, so um, sorry about that little two-week hiatus, but we are back. Um, If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to all the older episodes. There's something back there for everyone. Um, Yeah, 105 great, great episodes um, with awesome guests back there. Guys, I really want to start giving some shout-outs here soon. Uh, easiest way to do that is drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That helps drive us up the charts, turns more people into listeners and members of the TARP crew. So go ahead, drop that rating and comment on Apple Podcasts, even though I know you guys listen on other apps and streaming services, but that really helps us out a lot. So go ahead and do that. Also, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the podcast at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tarp Podcast, and that's where you can reach out about becoming a guest. Also, would would love for some businesses to reach out as well um, to become some sponsors. So, uh, so you can do that there if you know anybody uh, that's looking for a unique marketing opportunity. Um, always trying to help the business end out as well. Um, and then if you really want to, you can also follow me personally on Twitter at it's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. We now have merchandise, folks. I know I haven't tweeted that out a lot lately, but I'll be sure to do that here this coming week. Uh, you can now get Pulling Tart podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. You can find that on the Pulling Tarp Podcast Twitter account with the link tree that's in our bio, or you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. With all of that being said, let's chat with Nicholas Batters. Nicholas, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening. I know your free nights are few and far between, so so thank you. Um, Bobby, thank you so much. It, the, these Monday off days are perfect. Just yeah. having, having that routine every week is fantastic. Yeah, it's, um, it's perfect for me just 
as a day to re- to record and then I get a couple nights to to edit before each episode comes out on Thursday. So so yeah. it really worked well for me. I I started this, you know, not even thinking about like scheduling during the season and that kind of stuff and then yeah. covid actually helped help me out selfishly a lot sure i know yeah. i know it didn't help anybody else out in the industry um but but yeah the monday off days actually help help the podcast out a lot so um yeah. how has your second season with the naturals start started and uh you have a new expanded role right yeah, no, it's it's been really fun. So I, I joined the Naturals in April of 2021, uh, just as a seasonal position as the team's radio broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once this season ended, we kind of got into talks about me joining the team full time. Uh, that position opened at the start of uh, January, I guess it was. Uh, so I was back in Northwest Arkansas at the start of this calendar year. Uh, um, and it's 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 a lot of what I did last year, obviously, broadcasting the games. Last year, I just did home games. This year, I'm on the road, so I'm doing all one. 138 broadcasts okay. for the Naturals. Um, I was doing the game notes last year, helping out with social media, um, writing the recaps of the website, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm still doing that. Um, I'm doing more helping manage the website. I'm, I've taken over as the team's primary PR contact now okay. to handle more of those those interview requests and the media relations stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing some stuff with baseball operations too, uh, helping out just wherever – our front office or our team's trainer and manager need kind of that liaison between the front office uh, sure. and the the clubhouse uh, or even the front office in Kansas city. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. My, that sounds a lot like my positions in minor league baseball, except for the broadcasting part. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, the closest I ever got to broadcasting was doing the PA announcing. So I, sure. I, I tried, I tried the play by play thing a couple times and Dude, it's it's way harder than it looks. Obviously, there's there's definitely yeah, the, an art to it that that I can certainly appreciate. So, no, it's it's definitely a it's a challenging role, but it's it's so much fun. I I really do enjoy it. For sure, for sure. Um, I know I know that my buddy Paul Caputo is gonna is gonna love this question. Um, yeah, I don't know if you you follow him on Twitter, but um, he. I'm sure he loves your ice cream helmet Sunday. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so your post there. So what is your go-to ice cream helmet Sunday order? So I try and, I try and switch it up. It, um, it, it's funny. It started like as a kid, I loved, I loved going to games as a kid, but my family never could go to games that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted to bring home some kind of souvenir and well, the best kind of souvenir that you can bring home as a kid uh, outside of maybe a ball, uh, oh, yeah. is the, the ice cream helmet. You get the ice cream, you get to eat the ice cream as a kid, and you get to keep the helmet after. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as literally the first ever baseball game that I went to, I got an ice cream helmet. Um, and back in my childhood bedroom, I probably have a stack of, gosh, at least 50, most of them Oakland A's helmets. I grew up in Oakland A's. Okay. Um, but I've, I've gone around collecting. any Anytime I went to a, a stadium, I'd try to get an ice cream helmet. Mm-hmm. Um and even my first year working in, in minor league baseball, the Appalachian League in 2019, not every stadium in the league had an ice cream helmet. When they did, I'd try and get one. Yeah. Um, and then last year, I saw the voice of our AAA affiliate up in Omaha, Jake Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would get ice cream helmets every Sunday. I thought, wow, I actually kind of like the idea of that routine. Sure. Maybe not 
it, it limits myself to only getting one a week because if I if I didn't limit myself, I'd probably get multiple. Right. Um, but it's it's a nice treat to look forward to at the end of the season, and I'm, I'm hoping eventually to have them from all the teams in our league maybe make a standings board on the, the wall of my office or something like that with yeah. them. It's just a fun little little collection. But honestly, I don't have a go-to flavor. Mm. I try and change it up every time. And it's tough because some teams have, like the Springfield Cardinals have proper ice cream. Um, they partner with the dairy. Um, oh, some yeah. teams have soft serve. Some teams have Dippin' Dots. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I try and switch it up sometimes. I'll get dipping dots. Sometimes I'll get like, I got the swirl, like chocolate vanilla swirl in Frisco with sprinkles. Um, I got cookies and cream when I was in Springfield a couple of uh, weeks ago. So I'm all, I'm always trying to switch it up. Okay. I like it. I like it. I'm, uh, my, my nephew is turning eight here soon. And up until just the last couple of weeks, he only ate vanilla ice cream. And I was like, dude, you got to branch out. There's so much more to offer. Yeah. And then just what was music again? Yeah, just just the just the um, last couple of weeks, he started branching off into chocolate. And I was like, oh boy, just wait until he takes That's a big step. I know. Just wait until he gets you know um, chocolate cup, chocolate chip cookie dough, or or you know something like that. So. I, I like your well, my go-to ice cream flavor, uh, cookie two-step from Bluebell. The combination cookie dough and cookies and cream Ooh. my absolute favorite. But okay. I don't think any minor league stadiums have Bluebell ice cream. Though if there are, I would like to go. I'm trying to think. I feel like in Beloit we did, but I don't know what they're doing at the new stadium anymore. Okay. Yeah. But, but um, okay, I can I can respect this the switching it up. I like that. Okay. Um, so as we were talking about, like, you know, play by play is a whole art in itself. Um, and a lot of guys, including you can go from sport to sport, like very easily. So what's the biggest, what's the biggest difference broadcasting different sports? It, It depends one on on how different the sports are and also the medium like obviously on on radio you need to be way more descriptive than you are on on tv Mm -hmm. part of it's finding the right balance between the the giving the play-by-play still whether it's the listener or viewer informing them of what is going on because that's your primary role as a broadcaster Mm -hmm. Um, but balancing that with storytelling um, versus bringing in relevant stats versus simply creating the connection uh with your audience and there's a different balance of it uh in each sport like yes the the first example that comes to mind the two the two sports that did the most in college at arizona state were hockey and baseball which are about as opposite um as as you can get in terms of play-by-play sure Uh, because with hockey it's really fast paced there isn't a lot of time for for storytelling Mm -hmm. whereas baseball is a much slower pace you can you can go more in depth with with the stories um and uh yeah it's it's all about finding that balance um and trying to i mean and and there are even different ways to to bring in your knowledge of the sport Uh, i I mean that ties into the the storytelling and the statistics um but it's a very fine balance juggling all of those different responsibilities especially when you're moving back and forth uh, from one medium to another right right in your experience, what is the hardest sport to call? It's a good question. Um, I, to a degree, 
I think I, I, I think ice hockey is incredibly difficult. I love it. Yeah. Um, just in that it's so fast paced. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, ice hockey is tough. Personally, I'd say basketball cause I don't know much about basketball. Okay. Um, and I, I, I only did a few basketball games in college. Um, so for me, basketball would be the hardest, but I think in general, ice hockey is probably the toughest of, of all of the major sports. Yeah, I would probably think that's the most fast pace, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you said you were you grew up an Oakland A's fan. Um, yeah. I um, so I worked for an Oakland A's affiliate, and I was the media relations guy there um, for yeah. for the Beloit Snappers. And, um, I went to a very small school that you may or may not have ever heard of, uh, Slippery Rock University. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oddly enough, I walked in the clubhouse to, to like get the roster and you meet the guys and all that stuff, um, opening day and Beloit there. And there's a guy that I recognized from Slippery Rock and, um, and I was like, dude, what are you doing here? And he's he said the same thing to me. And like we had yeah. seen each other at like parties and stuff like that at Slippery Rock. Mm-hmm. And now he now he's on the Oakland A's. Lou Trevino, one of the, one of the relieving pitchers. That's okay. That's right. That that's where I know it from. I I, I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was weird for sure. Like a, a he's school... a fan favorite now too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, school that has nine thousand kids that is an hour north of Pittsburgh put putting out well him, world. him and Matt Adams they're they're the two major leaguers okay. from our school so far yeah. so um Very nice. yeah um so I was doing research on you aka like creeping on your Instagram and stuff so about right. yeah um what was it like working in the Australian Baseball League for the Melbourne Aces and then also living there in Australia yeah that that was one of the coolest experiences, not just of of my professional career, uh, but of my life. That was that was something that I kind of it's kind of a leap of faith. Um, like I grew up, I loved the crocodile hunter as a kid. Yeah. I always wanted to go to Australia, um, and I don't remember how I first stumbled across the Australian baseball league. But I mean, their their games are always they've been broadcast on YouTube for a long time. So I think mm-hmm. it was a question of during winter break when I was in school, I, I'm staying up late or whatever, and I'm searching on YouTube. And I, oh, I see there's live baseball. So once I realized what the Australian Baseball League was, I told myself that if I ever had the chance to go work there, I'd absolutely jump on it. Mm-hmm. And the summer of 2019, while I was working in the Appalachian League uh, with the Elizabethan Twins, I saw a random internship posted online. I was like, well, I told myself if the opportunity ever presented itself, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. And I was still, I was that, that was the summer in between my junior and senior years of college. Okay. So I was still on a year of school left. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just applied, not necessarily on a whim, but it was like I texted my mom. I'm like, am I crazy if I do this? She's like, no. And I said, cool. Submitted an application <laughs> that day. And it was so worth it. I mean, it was, it was, it's such a, it, it's funny because it's become a very, not a very, it's, it's Americanized to a degree. Right. Like there, there are McDonald's and, and KFCs um, and a lot, a lot of American food items and American music and TV and movies are very present in their culture. Um, but it's, it's, it's American culture with a, with a nice twist. Um, and the people out there were so welcoming. Uh, it's, it's a fun level of baseball because it's, it's their highest professional level of baseball. So mm-hmm. that's 
for a lot of Australians, that's the pinnacle of, of playing baseball is the yeah. Australian Baseball League. Um, kind of operates like minor league baseball because it's an official winter league of major league baseball. Right. And it's this fun blend of you, you have the, the 16, 17 year old Australians who are, who are just starting out in their, their careers versus the Australians who are just playing in their Sunday league and playing in the ABL for fun. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are guys that are firefighters and, and, hold all these other day jobs that are just oh, playing wow. on the weekends. Okay. And then you get the, the up and coming prospects. Um, and then the MLB veterans. Uh, I mean, Peter Moylan was on our team and then coaching staff, uh, Shane Robinson, uh, Delman Young was with us for two years. Okay. Um, Gift and Gope was with us, uh, my second year there. Uh, so it's just a, it's a fun, fun, unique blend. I mean, I don't know where else you'd, you'd see a, a 40 year old pitcher throwing to a 17 year old catcher right, um, right. It's, it's such a diverse league and um and living in australia it's just it's such a cool place my second year there i was living right in the heart of downtown melbourne right on the river that runs through the city um in an apartment complex and i, I took the train to work every day uh, just so many good people um it was cool to experience a new culture yeah that sounds awesome i've always wanted to go to australia and haven't gotten the chance yet i um I actually looked into going to work in the Australian Baseball League, and I don't know what happened, what was, what else was going on. Um, I, I might have found something else professionally, but also I kind of looked into the pay, and I had just graduated from college, and I was starting to pay back yeah. my student loans, and I was like, oh, yikes. Um, I don't know if I can make this work. Um, yeah. But also moving to... Beloit, Wisconsin for next to no money wasn't a great choice financially either, but sure. I did that too. So, um, well, it's, it's funny. I mean, I was living, I was living in the spare bedroom of a, of a lady's house. Um, I mean, she, she, she had an Airbnb. It was like a really small one story. Um, my, so this is my first year. Yeah. Um, it was a really small one, uh, like three bedroom, one story house in a suburb of Melbourne, like uh, an hour east or hour west of the city center. Um, and I was just crammed into the back bedroom. Um, I, it was something I found on Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and, uh, awkward at times, almost, almost like having a host family. Um, yeah. But, um, and I, I, and I finished that, that first year, I, because I was still in school, I actually changed my major at Arizona state. Okay. Um, I went and studied sports journalism, but there were classes that I had to take that were only offered in person in order to finish that degree. Yeah. Um, so I changed my major within the, the journalism school to mass communication and media studies okay. so that I could finish my entire degree online. So I did oh, my yeah. entire senior year online from Australia. That's um, cool. It'd be like I'd get home from get home from the game or get home from a day at work, and then I'm just sitting in my bed doing homework. Um, hmm that entire season okay. um, very cool yeah, um, good experience yeah Thanks. and then you guys won the abl championship there too so what was that like yeah and not not just once but twice that twice. was uh that yeah. was incredibly special twice yeah, yeah. No, look i'm at i'm at three straight rings right now so yeah. no pressure 2022 naturals wow but, uh, wow yeah so my my first year uh we i mean we had such a veteran team by the end um it was like we, we brought in the last four weeks of the season. We brought in Shane Robinson, 
uh, who spent what nine years in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, Darren Downs, who pitched parts of like three or four seasons. Um, we had DJ Burt. Um, and I feel like there's there's another name that I'm missing, but we brought it. Uh, Nate Sampson, who, who who he's bounced around minor yeah. league and independent baseball. Um, and so we had this really veteran group of guys and um, kind of just steamrolled everyone in the playoffs. Wow. Was, it wasn't especially close. Um, we, we swept the Auckland Tuatara in the first round and then um, swept the Adelaide Giants in the championship series. And that first game of the championship series may be one of the coolest games that I've ever like broadcasted or attended. Um, I mean, we, we walked off the first game. Okay. Absolutely packed house, sold out crowd. Um, we had, um, there had been a bench clearing incident in the top half of the inning. Um, so we, we go into the bottom, like a player had just been hit. Uh, I can't remember if it was with the bases loaded or to load the bases, but I know what led to Adelaide taking the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the benches cleared and it was this whole thing. So we go into the bottom of the ninth, needing to score two runs to win. And it was just the, the perfect comeback of all of the veterans contributing getting the key hits at the right time. Yeah. Um, and I, I had broadcasted the games on radio that year, but for the championship series, I was doing post-game interviews for the TV broadcast. Oh, cool. So I, I broadcasted the first seven innings on our home radio stream, um, and then I went down to the field to get ready for post-game interviews in the, seventh, in the eighth or ninth. Um, so I got to watch everything unfold from field level. And then, nice. And then do interviews at the end of the, uh, the championship win, which was cool. Um, and then my second year was really special, um, because I got to broadcast the entirety of our championship run on TV. Um, there were, I don't want to make the story too long, but because of COVID the league's lead broadcaster, Andrew Reynolds, who has become a great friend and mentor of mine. Um, he was based in new South Wales in Sydney. Um, and there was a quote unquote outbreak of COVID in Melbourne, I think it was like maybe 10, 15, 20 cases somewhere in there. Okay. Um, but it was enough that the border between Victoria and the other states in Australia was going to close at midnight the day that we were playing our championship game. Oh, no. Um, and, and I mean, it was already the, the weekend of the playoffs. It was supposed to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the championship game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then they canceled the last two days of the playoffs because the border was going to close. Yeah. I moved it up to that Friday night. Oh, wow. Um, so, and this was on like three hours notice. Jeez. So all of a sudden we, we, the, the morning game finishes and all of a sudden, boom, the night game's the championship game. Um, Sad. and so Andrew says, Hey, I got to get over the border before the border shuts and I'm stuck here for two weeks. Yeah. You're calling the championship game. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I mean, granted it was the, the, the aces and then the Perth heat who I, um, I've been doing a lot of telecast work, international and domestic telecasts my yeah. second season. So they were two teams that I knew well, and there, there weren't any um, challenges with the prep. Um, but that was still a, a thrill to be able to do the, the championship game on um, international television. Yeah. Um, wow. And, uh, and then be, be able to be the one on the call uh, when, when my team won, uh, yeah. even though I was the, the network broadcaster, right. uh, per se. That's awesome, man. Do you know how many people work their whole lives in minor league baseball and don't get a chance to, to experience a championship. And here you are, yeah. you have, you have three already under your young. Yeah. Belt. And, and my, my first year in, in professional baseball 
in 2018, I worked in an independent league that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it was the Pacific Association. Okay, um, yeah. At the time, it was a six-team league. Uh, I worked for the Sonoma Stompers, uh, who are now a collegiate summer team. Mm-hmm. Um, and my so my first year, we had the best regular season record in the history of the league. Um, and then the champion, it was a championship game, just a one-game championship okay. instead of a series. We lost that game. Um, so I've been to the championship series or game four out of five seasons Man. that I've, I've worked in baseball. Um, right. So I am just incredibly beyond fortunate. Dude, you're going you're gonna to have GMs knocking down your door to, to come well, broadcast for them next season. That's what I'm saying. Like, how many how many more championships do I have to win before before some of these major league teams start calling and say, that's "Hey, true. we're the we're the Baltimore Orioles trying to get to the World Series." Yeah, want to come do our games? I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, and this year's Naturals team looks really dang good on paper too. So okay, uh, nice. I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So, we'll so stay tuned, and we're going to knock on wood. <laughs> okay, all right. So. You work. You worked in the ABL with with former Pulling Tart podcast guest Emily Messina. How how One is of my that? favorite people? Yeah how how is that? She she's awesome. Uh, what was it like yeah. working with her over over? Or I guess down under. <laughs> yeah she she's uh she she's one of my favorite people uh, and has literally become one of my best friends. She and I were so the, yeah the first year the twenty nineteen twenty ABL season uh, we were the the two American interns that the Aces brought out. Uh, okay. for that season um and so we got close just in the sense that we were both we were kind of in the same position she i was in my senior year of college she was a year out of college we both just worked our first seasons in minor league baseball and kind of did this on a whim mm-hmm. um and like i said we're, we're about the same age uh, so we got really close that year uh and it was it was cool just to have another person to be able to travel with and uh share the experience with and honestly i feel like we've gotten closer since that season ended uh, especially sure. now that we're both in double a yeah. um but she she's absolutely fantastic i mean everything from um like a day trip up to sydney or going to adelaide for the championship game uh and we traveled a lot that year and it was it was really fun that's awesome um and now you work with another former pulling tart podcast guest in adam and Naritone. um yes he's He's a, a he, he's a funny guy. His his episode was awesome as well. What's it like working That's with right, him on the day to day? I don't know if there are many people that work harder in this industry than Adam. I mean, he yeah. is just absolutely fantastic and, and cares so much about the product that we put out every day, whether it's uh, creative stuff on on social media, yeah. the, the in game presentation. He cares so deeply about it. Really, such a great asset to the Naturals as an organization, uh, and it's it, it's cool. He and I. We're the our offices are both in the the press box sure. on the suite level. Um, he he has his office, and then I work out of the radio booth. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, we're the only two people up there, like on non game days, um, because we're the only, everyone else has their offices downstairs in the right. main front office, or the groundskeepers, operations folks are down there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just the two of us up there. Uh, okay. It's a lot of fun to work with him. Nice. Yeah, he's. He's very good at his job, um, you know, yes. from what I see on social media and and your guys' website and stuff. So, um, yeah. and I, I appreciate his willingness to go out of the box with ideas yes. uh, with me. Like last year, I had this idea. I can't remember when I came to him, but I said, 
because we have a we have a train that drives around the concourse of our ballpark oh, uh, yeah. during the game okay. um and uh, not a literal train but like a like a a right like a, not a, a tractor riding lawnmower kind of thing that's outfitted with with wood to look like a train and pseudo train cars in the back right and i thought wouldn't it be cool if i could interview a player while we're like riding a lap around the train and he was all for it immediately <laughs> um I did a great job editing it together to make it happen. So anytime I come with to him with any crazy idea, he's he's always on board, yeah. wants to help, and really supportive. That's that's so awesome. Um, so so we know you know in the industry, the joke the joke is other duties as assigned, right? You know that's yeah. that's on every job description. So my question is, in your career, what is your most other duties as a sign moment. So, there, there are a couple that, that come to mind. Um, I've been pretty fortunate, honestly, for the most part of my career to, to go to teams that are, are willing to really let me focus on doing my thing, whether it's the broadcasting, media relations, marketing, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, when I was with the Elizabethan twins, I mean, it's, it's the stuff a lot of minor league people have done filling in as mascot, um, going to like back to school events or out about in public, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, that year in Elizabethan was interesting because we didn't have a team photographer that year. Okay. And, um, I actually did more photography in college than I did broadcasting. Um, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying this was not something that was assigned to me. Rather, it was just extra work I chose to add on to my duties. Sure. But for home, mostly for home games. Uh, well, road, yeah, I'll start off with home games. Our press box, it was basically a wooden hut on stilts yeah. behind the backstop um, at, in Elizabethan. Uh, was, so it's right up against the backstop netting. Mm-hmm. Um, so in between pitches, I can quickly mute my mic, pull out my camera, snap a few pictures of the pitcher. No way. Um, and it sounds like I'm letting the broadcast breathe, but yeah. in reality, I'm also, in a way, serving as the team's photographer. Um, <laughs> a, or That's like funny. a guy hits a home run, I turn the crowd mic up a little bit so you can hear the fans cheering. Meanwhile, I mute my mic and I get pictures of the guy running down third base towards home plate. Nice. Um, or, or I'm letting the walk-off celebration breathe. When in reality, I'm getting photos of the Gatorade bath uh, wow. through the netting that's right in front of me. Um, or like on the road, I'd run down and um, as a pitcher's warming up, I'd take pictures of him um, as close as I could get. Um, those, are, those are the first things that, that come to mind. In Australia, they had me do a lot of different stuff. But um, and most of that was all just expansive within the marketing department. Um, yeah, I guess those are the things that stick out in Elizabeth. That is, that is multitasking, man. That is yeah. that is something else. Wow, okay. I don't think I've ever heard that combination together. I like it. Yeah. If you do, I would love to meet that person. Yeah. Um, because I that, that season I made myself, my, my life a little difficult, more difficult than I needed to. Like sure. I buy a, the, the games in the Apple actually didn't have video feeds. Right. There's no team on MILB TV. It, it was all just, audio broadcasts and about half the teams didn't even do road games mm-hmm. um and i bought this little tripod for my phone i would set my phone up ro- wherever i was perched i'd record every pitch when a play happened i'd airdrop that to my computer and in between innings cut the audio of my broadcast 
put it under the highlight and get it out on Twitter. Wow. Um, just so that our fans, Twins fans, had, had video of these players. Um, okay. And that's kind of spiraled into my bro with the Naturals because I do that with our the MILB TV feed when we're on the road. And I know there are a few other broadcasters that do it. I know Sam Levitt did it with the Sod Poodles okay. uh, while he was with them. But I'm sitting there cutting the MILB TV feed of our highlight plays that I'm going to post on Twitter because yeah. I, I live tweet the games for the Naturals sure. uh, while I'm broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And so I'll cut it, bring it into uh, Adobe Premiere, in between the names, cut the clip of my call of the play, sync it in with the, the visiting team's feed and then get it up on Twitter. Wow. that Man, that is a lot of multitasking. That's that's a lot of skill too, man. I like it. That's, that's awesome. Well, I tried to... I tried to get well-rounded uh, while in college, do a little bit of everything. Sure. Uh, whether it was broadcasting as many sports as I could. I think I did photos of every sport that ASU has um, okay. and everything. Baseball, I shot football games for two years uh, to triathlon, beach volleyball, a little bit of everything. Wow. Writing, video, um, live game producing, live studio show producing, yeah. news producing, I just tried to get a, a little bit of everything, uh, motion graphics. Um, I just tried to dip my toes in a little bit of everything, either to make myself more marketable across minor league baseball, which not to pat myself on the back, I think has worked. Yeah. Um, but also, look, I, I, I would love to be a major league broadcaster, but if it doesn't work out, why? Nice. I have other yeah. career paths that I can go down, whether exactly. it's photography um, or, or working in a team's communications department. Exactly. Um, I feel like I, I have these different skills that yeah. um, can take me beyond broadcasting Absolutely. if I so choose. Absolutely. Um, so you're talking about, you know, you are helping out more so now than ever with the team's social media and you're live, yeah. you're live tweeting during the games and all that stuff. So um, I, too, have ran many a team's social media accounts. So I got to ask you, what's the weirdest comment or message you've received while running a team's social media accounts? Um, well, the first thing that stands out to me are the people that would tweet at the Naturals for the better part of the first half of last season asking why Bobby Witt Jr. was still with us, even though none of us have any control of when he gets promoted to Omaha or Kansas City. Right. Um, granted, I'm very appreciative of those people because it helped our Twitter metrics and yeah. made me look like I was doing a better job than I probably was. <laughs> I mean, literally every game, there, there are people tweeted at us of Bobby up to Omaha, or Bobby to Kansas City. Why is he still with you guys? Stuff like that. Right. Um, but that's not as weird because that's stuff that a lot of teams get. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I can't remember if it was definitely my second season. I can't remember for sure the first. But my, my second season in Australia, um, I learned that there is, I don't know if it's a large scene, but there is a, a base, an Australian baseball gambling scene in India. Um, and yeah. we would get um, very angry betters tweeting, messaging nasty things at our team account because we had not yet posted the lineup or we hadn't announced who the starting pitcher was that day. Oh. Um, and there was, there was a group of like five or ten of them um, that we oh. event, and I, they, and they would tweet at every team in the league, um, talk about whether it's, and it'd start off as like, oh, why haven't you posted the starting pitcher? Why haven't you posted the lineup to, you're a poorly run organization. This is a terrible league. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I looked into I looked into it a, a little bit, and I don't know if it still is there. I mean, the ABL hasn't played since the, the February 2021, but at the time there was a, a scene of um, people in India gambling on the Australian Baseball League. Interesting. Um, so um, getting there, being upset with me for not posting the lineup, probably is is one of the weirder ones I've gotten. Okay. Yeah. That would that is super weird. Okay, didn't didn't know that there was a Australian uh, baseball betting scene in India. That's that's interesting. Well, you, I was I was I was just as shocked as you were. I yeah. mean, it, like it was it was just one of those things where you get those messages. And you're like, well, where is this coming from? Like, yeah. <laughs> so this may be a stupid question. Um, when is the ABL season? It's in the winter, right? Is yeah, it's in the American winter, so it's and it's so it's during the Australian summer. In theory, in a in a year not affected by COVID, it's going to run from mid to late November through the first or second, maybe yeah, first or second week of February. Yeah. Um, traditionally, it's been a ten week season uh, with four games played every week. Yeah. Usually, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with a doubleheader played in one of those days. Okay. Uh, they traditionally played a forty-game season. So the the first year that I was out there with Emily, it was a forty-game season from late November, right around Thanksgiving. Okay. Until the the second week of February, when Major League Baseball has a hard cutoff that winter leagues have to end, right? So the players can get back for spring training. So why um, didn't they play and, this last season? So the the my second year out there, it was an abbreviated. I think it ended up being like an eight week season or something like that. Sure. But there were logistics with getting the, the COVID restrictions in Australia were super tight. Yeah. Um, so there were restrictions with getting. They they just wanted to push back the start of the season to make sure that we could get import players into the country. Okay. Um, and um, obviously, there are lots of great. Australian baseball players, mm-hmm. but in order for the competition to continue to grow and move forward, um, you want to have some players come over from the United States as well, whether right. it's top prospects um, or major league veterans. Right. We were the only team that second year that didn't have a contract with an MLB organization. Oh, it's like okay. the Tampa Bay Rays will send players to the Perth Heat. Um, trying to think here. Milwaukee sends sent, I don't know, how many of these contracts are still going? Milwaukee sent players to Brisbane with the Bandits. Uh, the Phillies sent players to the Adelaide Giants. The New York Mets sent players to the Sydney Blue Sox. Okay. And the Toronto Blue Jays sent a couple of players to the Canberra Cavalry. Um, and granted, that year, all of us still had to do a two-week government-mandated hotel quarantine. Oh, um, so okay. it was straight off the plane, military escort, through health checks, onto a bus, into a hotel, up to your room. You can't leave the room for two weeks, oh. um, huh. which was uh, which was an experience. Yeah, um, sure. And then the I don't know the, the exact details, but there were there were there were more difficulties this past year in okay. getting an ABL season off the ground. Okay. Um, just the the rising cost of travel to Australia um, yeah. because they limit the number of international passengers that can come in each day, which increases the cost of flights right um and teams just lost so much money during that shortened season um it wasn't financially viable i think for the season to go ahead this past year um i mean even travel from one state to another was tough like it'd be you may you you have to quarantine 10 days going from perth to melbourne and back um 
there there were just so many government logistics, both domestic and international, um, that there was no way to really get a proper season going. So they figured let's let's just focus our attention now on the 22-23 season just to make it as good as it can possibly be once hopefully restrictions are eased. Yeah, hopefully. Wow. Okay. Um, so I love to try out new foods whenever I go to a new yeah. ballpark. In all of your traveling, what has been the best concessions item that you've tried? So when I was with Elizabeth in 2019, I don't know if you seen this but i did a, a series called the concession stand conversation i didn't uh that. where okay. every every road ballpark i went to in the appalachian league i tried a different concession stand item on video and then like gave my review of it um okay. and the first one that i did that year i think still holds the crown as the the most unique concession stand item all right so it was in pulaski virginia Okay. Uh, with the Pulaski Yankees. Yeah. They're now the River Turtles in the yeah. Appalachian League. Yeah. And their their stadium is called Calfee Park. And they had the Calfee Burger, which was not so much as a burger as it was like chicken tenders, mozzarella sticks, marinara sauce, and then I want to say Parmesan cheese Ooh. in a in a bun. Um yeah. which was which was pretty good. There were there were a lot of unique concession stand items in that league. Princeton uh, at Honeycutt Field with the Princeton Rays in uh, in West Virginia was really fun because their concession stand was run by a local catering company. Mm-hmm. So obviously they had uh, the basic like hot dogs and stuff like that. But there was also a rotating menu. And our last night there, it was breakfast food night. Mm-hmm. And out of I I had made friends with the lady at the concession stand because i told her about this series of videos that i was doing um and like the fourth or fifth inning during the middle of the broadcast she just brings me up this massive plate of breakfast food at a a baseball game it's like pancakes and eggs and bacon and and biscuits and gravy and hash browns and i about lost my mind like i'm on the air broadcast yeah and i just about lost my mind like there was there was a box with a cinnamon roll in it it was just absolutely delicious um and that was a nice surprise but i think the calfee burger may be the most unique thing that i've had um yeah or breakfast food depending on how you want to look at it and it's not like it was a day game or anything it was just that was the concession stands theme that night yeah yeah um in in Beloit, we had two burgers, and so one of them was called the Snappy Burger, and it was a cheeseburger with a brat cut like vertically, and laid on laid on top of the cheeseburger. That was pretty good. And then we also had yeah. a true Wisconsin burger, which was a cheeseburger with cheese curds on it. And then nacho cheese on top of that. Okay. Yeah. Those were those were those. Uh, those that were sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. You've broadcasted a ton of games uh, so far in your career. 
what has been your most memorable call so far? There, there are a few that stand out to me. Um, at Arizona State, I did a, a Spencer. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to call games of Spencer Torkelson his freshman year yeah. uh, while he was was at Arizona State. He had a walk-off home run against – it was – I did the game for the Pac-12 Network's digital platform, Pac-12 Plus, or the, the ASU live stream. Uh-huh. And I think I was asked to do the game. I think I was, do, I was doing a softball game on radio for the student radio station. I got a message, hey, can you come do baseball today for Pac-12 Plus? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Actually, this was, this was the 2019, so Torkelson's sophomore season. And ASU got off to like a ridiculous 20-some-odd game win streak. Okay. Um, and uh, he had a walk-off home run against Michigan State to keep the win streak alive, which was really cool. Um, that was fun. My first game at Elizabethan, our pitching staff took a combined no-hitter into the eighth inning. Um, so my first game of minor league baseball, we came five outs away from a no-hitter wow. um, and then ended up walking it off that night, which was really fun. Um, my fourth game in Elizabethan, I caught a foul ball while broadcasting. Um, and I'm bummed there's not video of it, but I had a broadcast partner, Joe Anderson, can, can vouch for me on that. We were in Kingsport, just flied right back to him, and I caught it. That was a fun call. Nice. Um, getting to do the final out of the second Aces Championship was special uh, because it was on TV. Yeah. Um, and I, I hadn't done play-by-play of the, ch- the championship win the first year. Um, that was really special. Okay. Um, and then with the Naturals, there was a game back in May where we combined for the, the Naturals combined for seven home runs. Ooh, Bobby Witt Jr. had a three homer game, which was special. Okay, but also in that game, Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez back to back to back, um, which was uh, that that was pretty pretty crazy. Um, wow. And then the. I mean, there's so many. The, the last, the the game that we won, Championship Series Game Three in Wichita, Brewer Hicklin hit a go-ahead grand slam. I had been dealing with technical difficulties all game long. It was it was atrocious, but I got in there just in time for his grand slam, and then the the final out of the championship. Um, and then I got to do some fun games for the Arkansas Razorbacks this season on radio. Okay. Uh, my first game was really special, just in it being my first game and having a, an incredible crowd of 10,000 people in front of me at Mount right. Walker stadium. That was, that was really cool. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I always love to see what teams do for promotions, like how like wild and crazy they can get. What has been the best promotion that you've seen in all of your baseball travels? I, I'll be honest. I don't know how many like, crazy promotions my, my career has taken me through or creative um, maybe creative um in in elizabethan um opening day was free attendance night okay. um which uh was the the year that i was there boyd sports had just taken over uh operations of the team it had been previously run by the elizabethan parks and rec department mm-hmm. um and so they're not necessarily in it to make a profit, more so just to, it's a, a function of the city. Right. Um, and Elizabethan's a small town of maybe 10,000 in, in Northeast Tennessee. Right. Um, and it had always been a thing where opening day was free. Um, and uh, so we, by, despite the, the operations change continuing, um, I mean, we still did that my first year. 
opening day was uh, opening day was free. Um, when I when I worked in um, independent baseball in the Pacific Association, uh, there was one game where I think I think a, I can't remember the specifics. I just remember we were playing at San Rafael against the San Rafael Pacifics, and the night the, the night was sponsored. The players didn't have numbers on the back of their jerseys. They were just wearing T-shirts with a company logo on the front, um, okay. and it made it a challenge to. Granted, it, this is toward the end of the season, so I, I had broadcast enough games against the Pacifics that I generally knew who everyone was. Right. Um, but you say that, and then you see a guy without a number coming to the bat, and you start second guessing sure. yourself. Right. Um, but those are, I guess, those are a few of the the more unique ones. Okay. Um, a former uh, podcast guest, Hunter Hornstein, um, he was an intern for the Pacifics way back when. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the the Pacifics did some really fun stuff before, like before I got into that league. Uh, I know they they had a really good time in San Rafael. Yeah, yeah. Um let's see here. So okay, you so you've traveled a lot with with the team this year and then I know you travel with the team in Australia a little bit there. Um what's the best story that you can share from traveling with the team? I know there's a lot you can't share. But... I don't know if, if best is the word to describe this, but incredibly unique. Um, and it, it wasn't actually traveling with the team, but it was traveling back from a game. Okay. So my second year in Australia, um, I mentioned there was kind of a, an issue with COVID in New South Wales and Sydney. Mm-hmm. Well, that started the very first week of the season while we were playing in Sydney. So myself and a bunch of front office folks had flown up to watch the opening weekend of games between the Aces and the Sydney Blue Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, a little extra motivation because Manny Ramirez had signed to play with Sydney. Yeah. Um, and he didn't end up actually playing for the Blue Sox, but he was still there that opening weekend. Sure. Um, well, when we got to Sydney, we landed and we kind of were hearing these rumblings about an outbreak of COVID in the northern beaches, but we're thinking, oh, that's, that's 30 minutes north. That's it's far away from where we are now. Right. Um, game gets played and we're thinking everything's fine we wake up the next morning and we're here in the border between New South Wales and Victoria is going to close that night um, and so the the five of us that had come up from the front office all piled in a small car and drove I mean literally we left at like 9am that, that Friday morning Yeah, piled in the car drove 10 hours south back to Melbourne to, to get across the border before it shut um, that night. Didn't stay for the game. And then the, I think the team ended up having to, to rent a charter bus uh, to drive back because nobody could get any flights out. Yeah. Um, and then even in, um, it was literally like two weeks later, I was in Brisbane. Um, again, Andrew Reynolds was stuck in New South Wales, couldn't get up to Queensland. Um, he needed someone to do the, the week of games uh, for the televised hub from, from Brisbane Stadium. Yeah. So he, he, he tagged me to do it. And halfway through was the, uh, I can't remember, I think it must have been the UK variant that broke out. Okay. This yeah. is like early January 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Brisbane hub was cut short. And so all of a sudden we're scrambling to leave. Um, and so it was a question of, I thought I woke up and I was about to have an off day uh, in between games. No, I need to get my butt to the airport with my suitcase as soon as possible because they're booking me the next flight home. Right. Um, 
I've I've been lucky in minor league baseball. I knock on all the wood around me. Haven't really dealt with bus troubles or, or AC issues or anything like that. Um, I've been pretty fortunate for the most part. Um, yeah, there were there were a couple of weird ones in Australia. Yeah, yeah, it sure sounds like it. Jeez. Um, so the re- so the reason that we got introduced on on Twitter was because you started tweeting about um, participating in, in the tarp pools and, um, former, former guest and, and avid listener of the show, Jason Bond tagged you and, um, you know, said, Hey, reach out to him. He he should be a good good guest. Um, you know, and it's very, I don't want to know, I don't want to say few and far between, but it's not, I don't think it's common that, uh, broadcasters participate in in tarp pools, um, at least the teams that I've I've worked. Yeah. For. So, um, so how do you how do you feel about being one of the the only not not one of the only but one of the one of the few I guess uh, broadcasters to participate in tarp pools? And do you have any crazy tarp stories? Oh. My, my, my participation in, in tarp pulls depends on when the tarp is being pulled. Sure, um, right. Like if it's a uh, like this morning we had to we had the tarp on the field over over the weekend because there was rain all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I'm a full time employee, I'm a part of the front office staff that is going over to the field at nine a.m. Um, to to put the tarp on the or to take the tarp off the field um, and stick it around once all the fans have cleared out to help. Um, pull it on uh, after a game. But if it's obviously during the game or close to the start of the game, I won't be dropping what I'm doing to, to go down and help. Right. That being said, I have done that once. And that was in Elizabethton. Um, We are playing the Pulaski Yankees. This is like middle of middle, middle to late August. And Pulaski was the best team regular season in the league that year. Um, we were only losing one to nothing going into the top of the ninth inning. And it, it was like kind of starting to rain and rain and rain. And then the rain really picked up. And well, I know the umpires have a really tough job to do in determining when the tarp is going to come off the field. Absolutely. Um, it is my personal opinion that they waited a little too long in this situation. Okay. And I say that because by the time that they called for the tarp, we couldn't get it all the way on the field. Yeah. And like, I saw that they were really struggling to roll it out. So I said, you know what? We're going to throw it to commercial. I'm going to go down and help because like this, this was an important game for the Elizabeth and twins yeah. down one, nothing in the ninth inning. A win could be the difference between getting into the playoffs or not. Yeah. We need to make sure this game is finished. And so this was, this was like two outs in the top of the ninth inning. We're at home. We had the heart of the order do up coming up in the bottom half. So I see that the front office, we had a seven-person front office. So there are seven of us to, to, to pull the tarp. Yep. So there were a lot of difficult tarp pulls that season. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. I get it. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down. I'm going to help. Um, we only got the tarp on the field halfway. We just, it, we, it, had taken, it was raining too hard. It had taken too much rain. There was just nothing we could do. A couple of the players came out and tried to help us. It just, it was not moving. Right. Um, and so after a certain point, we just, not that we gave up, we just physically could not do it. Yeah. get it anymore. And by this point, there was a full-on lake, um, just fair of third base. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the difficulty was that because this was, this was late in the season, it was a tight playoff race. Mm-hmm. Um, the league wanted us to try and make the field playable. There is no amount of turfish that could have made that field playable, however. Right. Um, but we had to we had to make an attempt to get the field playable um, to satisfy the league's um, regulation or the, the, the league's rule, rule book, I guess. Right. Um, and so, you know, we get a couple bags of purpose, um, but there's still at least, an, by, this is by the time the rain has stopped, um, there is at least an inch, if not two inches of standing water just right. around first base. Mm-hmm. And it was, again, there were, there might've been like six or seven of us at that point. And we had these like big giant oversized sponges that, you know, we're sticking on the ground, jumping up and down on them to try and suck out as much water as we can mm-hmm. and then squishing it out of the outfield. We did that for like an hour and it did not make a dent. Yeah. Um, granted it, it produced some fantastic, funny videos from my Snapchat story, sure. but um, <laughs> that um, Cassie Butcher, um, was our, our marketing and promotions into that year. She and I, uh, look, we put her all into it, but there was just no getting that field playable. Um, so we, uh, and we did not finish that game, uh, cause sure. that was the last time we played them that season. It was game three of, of the series. The last time we played them. So there was no chance to make it up. We didn't have a mutual lock. Actually, I don't, I don't think there were any more off days that season. Right. Um, so we lost one, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Not not as good as Emily's story about pulling tarp in a prom dress, but still. Oh, still that's good. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that's that's an all timer right top. there. Yeah, that is yeah, tough to top. That's really good. Oh uh, no, no, you're good, man. Um, so we did have some some listener questions here. Right. Um, yeah. This one's not a question, but my my buddy Paul Caputo, um, he runs the the baseball and ice cream um account there and has his own right, podcast yeah. uh baseball by design um which is also a good good podcast but um he said the naturals were part of our baseball baseball palooza trip last year that's that's the, right that's yeah, the yeah, trip yeah. that uh him and his college buddies go on every every summer yeah. um he said i don't have a question but they served generous portions in their ice cream helmets and i appreciate that so I'm glad to hear that. I have no control over the portions that go into our ice cream helmets, but I'm I'm very glad that uh, they are they are sufficient. Yeah, Paul Paul um, Paul is very thankful for that. And then um, we have Ba Boof, um, and that is at E is Tanpolis on Twitter. Um, said with faster games due to enforced pitch clocks do you think announcers should try to narrate every pitch still or sit and be more quiet or ignore the balls and strikes and continue telling stories and facts when game time goes from three and a half hours to two announcers need to adjust right i've seen a lot about this on twitter recently so yeah yeah, dive into that yeah, Jesse Jesse Goldberg Strassler put out an interesting tweet about it. Um, yeah, former guest. a few days ago. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, yeah. Again, Jesse is one of my favorite. Oh, he's amazing. People in the industry, one of the best broadcasters. The voice so Great nice, person. they named him thrice. And he, he, he I, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but it's so fascinating because 
part of what we've gotten used to as broadcasters is a game taking about three hours. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of pacing and um, cadence that comes to, to call in a three hour baseball game. Mm-hmm. And granted that's on average. Some games will be shorter. It sure. might be two forty five or it might be three thirty. Right. But generally for a really long time, baseball games have averaged so, around three hours. Yeah. Now I, I don't have the exact numbers, but the naturals have consistently been playing under two thirty since the pitch clock enforcement started. Wow. Um, okay. Which is completely ridiculous. Not in a bad way, but it's yeah. just, it is such a drastic shift. Yeah. Um, and look, I think fundamentally as broadcasters, we still need to be narrating the game. That does not change. Mm-hmm. The the reality is there's less time to tell stories. Yeah. We, we, granted it's, it's different radio versus TV yeah. on radio. I still think I need to be calling every pitch, every play, every ball, every strike, right. everything that happens with the ball. I need to be giving that description mm-hmm. because it's unfair to the listener to um, sacrifice knowing what's going on in the game um, for me to tell a story about how I got locked out of my office, yeah. um, which did happen on our home opener. That's a, that's a whole oh, other story. Boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And I can tell that after this, yeah. but um on tv i think i think you can probably like if you're just doing tv no no simulcast if you're just doing a tv broadcast i do think you can probably lean away a little more from the balls and strikes yeah and continue that element of storytelling um of course still without missing any of the action because as broadcasters we still have to the first and foremost thing is to to give the action and give play by play. I think what we have to do now is learn different ways to tell stories and facts and to retrain ourselves to work those into a broadcast. Yeah. Um, and uh it's tough. It's gonna take a while. I mean sure. it's I've I've found myself missing more pitches than I am personally comfortable with myself missing because I'm trying to tell a story. Um yeah. or I'm used to having a certain amount of time in between pitches to, to cut a highlight that I'm about to post on Twitter. And all of a sudden, boom, a ball was just put to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, it, it's good because it's retraining me to always keep my eyes in the field, which I think I kind of slack on sometimes as the season season draws on. Um, but yeah, there's definitely adjustment. It's tough. And it's, it's not going to be an overnight adjustment because well, I think we're going to have to wait a few years to see if, if this whole thing, two hour 20 minute game two hour 30 minute game thing is for real right but if it is and this is actually how baseball is going to be moving forward then yeah it's gonna take it's gonna take an adjustment for sure, sure. absolutely i can only imagine yeah i mean you've been you've been calling games for years you know a certain way and and just like overnight you got to change it so yeah it's gonna take take yeah. a little time to get used to for sure yeah um it's tough. So um, this is your chance to really plug anything you want, man. Your website, uh, your social media, where where are you at? They have Batter Up Sports, B-A-D-D-E-R-U-P Sports on Twitter and Instagram uh, or my personal website, batterupsports.com. Um, I'm also on TikTok now. I guess I'm a TikToker. Um, okay. Batter Up on TikTok. Um, I've been doing like Day in the Life stuff there. Um, oh, nice. And it's weirdly popping off um, that I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. 
Um, but yeah, I guess those are the main ones. Uh, feel free to follow me, shoot me a message, um, say hello, um, whether it's digitally or at the ballpark. Always happy to chat. Okay. I'm not on the TikTok yet. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get on the TikTok train, I think. So I'll, I'll I, I downloaded it at the start of the pandemic, uh, like March, April 2020. I got caved, which at the time was caving because um, it had, like, I had had all these friends that run it for months. I'm like, you have to get on TikTok. And when I got on it at the right time, it just sucked me in. Um, and then one of my coworkers at the Naturals, Amber McCarthy, she was bugging me and she said, you got to start. Do a day, day in the life because Sammy Levitt has a incredible following on TikTok. Oh, does he? uh, okay. He's a TikTok sportscaster. Okay. It's, I mean, he's, he's upwards. He has to get close to 400,000 followers on there. Really? It's absolutely okay. ridiculous in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, and I think she sent me one of his videos and said, you should do something like this. And so I'm not trying to copy Sam by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Uh, because he's incredible. He's himself. I can't duplicate his content. Yeah. Um, but... I have a different perspective on um, whether it's our league or broadcasting, um, doing Razorback games. Those those are my first TikToks. It was day in the life of calling a Razorback game, um, okay. or starting in the Naturals today, going to the Razorbacks at night, opening weekend road trip, that kind of stuff. Very um, cool. But now I'm addicted. It's a problem. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check you out on there. Um, I so right before I left the Delmarva Shorebirds. I had just put my two weeks in, and at that time the um, the GM was like, you know, I think I think uh, we should have a TikTok account. Like, can you make us one of those? And I I made the team one, and I think I did two videos. Yeah. I didn't. It was really before, it kind of, you know, you know, blew up really. Um, so I know I know the team has one, but as soon as I left and went to State Farm. Um, I deleted the app and I was like, I'm not going to do this ever again. But now everybody's yeah. sending me TikToks, so and I I I do got to get on there and and at least give me a follow. So okay, awesome. It's, it's a dangerous rabbit hole. I know that's what I've heard. So I'm 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 very hesitant to to get on there, but I think I will here soon. Um, there you go. And then so I know you've listened to a couple episodes uh, with your friends uh on there so what has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career and whose was it um my answer is gonna be the same as emily's on this one okay and, and i forget I, what it I, is honestly so i challenge anyone i was actually talking with her about this this morning um, okay. i challenge anyone to, to find me a better walk-up song we had an outfielder our first year with the aces colin willis mm-hmm. um and generally speaking players get to choose their walk-up songs I do not believe Colin had any choice in this, but it was, um, I think it was the, the best possible thing for him because there was a line of the song. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the song. Um, it was the song's Slim Dusty. I love to have a beer with Duncan. Um, yes. And there's a line in the song that goes, um, I'd love to have a beer with Colin because Colin's me mate. And the entire stadium would sing along with that line. And he would wait for them to sing that before he steps into the box. Yeah. Um, and it, I, Colin Willis is one of my favorite all-time people in baseball, one of the nicest people that I've come across. Um, and he, he 
ran with it so well. I mean, he did a he had a fantastic time with the fans. He, I mean, he loved sure. the support. Um, I think it was somebody in our front office. It's an Australian song, Australian artist. Um, look at it. it's it's a really funny song. Um, but there was just that one line that was perfect length for a walk up song. Um, he came back for a second season. We didn't even ask him what his walk up song was going to be because we knew the fans were going to play that. We we ran a special on social media uh, where you could have a beer with Colin. Uh, so one lucky fan got to sit in the the corporate suite and have a beer with Colin after a game. And That's awesome. we ran a special at the concession stand. Um, and man, Colin was signed to the Red Sox after his first uh, really good season of the ABL. And unfortunately, he was released at the start. Uh, it was either middle middle to end of spring training last year. Okay. And, and that disappointed me because I would have loved to like watch the video or be in the stands at Fenway Park as he stepped into the plate and you have like 35,000 Bostonians yes. screaming, I'd love to have a beer with Colin because Colin's me mate. I don't think there's anything that would make that man a cult hero quicker than using yeah. that song as his walk-up. Yep. I don't know if he used it last year with the Kansas City Monarchs and the American Association. I don't know if he'll use it again in his career. Um, but to me, that will never be topped as long as I work in baseball. Yeah, that's an all-timer for sure. All right. Well, you spaced it out far enough back. I had Emily on far enough back that I didn't remember yeah. until you started talking about it. So, yeah, that was that was catchy for sure. So, um Man, all right, that's awesome. So we'll close out with with that song. Um, Nicholas, thank you so much for taking the time out of one of your free Absolutely. evenings. I really appreciate you, uh, and we we um, you were flexible with with the time and everything like of that. Course. So um, really appreciate you, and um, yeah, man, thank you so much for for taking the time to come on and uh, have a good rest of the season with the Naturals. Right, Bobby. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you. I love to have a beer with Colin. I love to have a beer with Colin. We drink in moderation. And it doesn't really matter if he brings his doll. We drink at the town and country. Oh, and the atmosphere is great. I love to have a beer with Colin. Cause Colin's me, mate. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast. Distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.